0: man that breed of fishermen who mysteriously appreciated the lazy strength of a fish even a ten-year-old could catch over the sinewy muscles of the hyperactive trout as the story went the river had been a mistake not the fact that it existed of course but the fact that a drunken forestry worker had once dumped a truckload of trout there ten years before not normal hatchery trout either lunkers ranging from 16 to 30 inches each capable of fighting harder than a bass twice her size had suddenly found themselves part of the Jacob Mountain ecosystem. The trout were the secret. The river, threading through high fields of tobacco and foul plots of pig farmers, was virtually unfished. The locals seeing trout as beneath them and not even worthy of drift-netting. Their scoffing made Dickie smile. Transplanted from New Jersey, he had a definite understanding of the southerners' circular family trees and their inability to grasp concepts that they couldn't actually grasp. Concepts such as... The true beauty of a shivering trout as it leapt from the churning cold depths of a swift stream, snapping its long jaws upon a wayward mayfly. Concepts such as the glory of the cruel crawl through thorns and slapping branches to the perfect hole, the only way to sneak up on intelligent trout. Concepts such as the geometry necessary for the perfect cast, bow-bent and snapping an underhanded madman delicacy beneath the eaves of a low-slung magnolia that dipped its broad green leaves into the rippling water. No, Southerners were bass people, sadly content with the laziness of a brain dead fish that satisfied his curiosity of the world by trying to eat it. Dicky remembered watching a comedian one time on television. You know how it is when you're walking up the stairs and you get to the top and you think there's one more step. I'm like that all the time. The comedian had said. The remark was so simple, something he would have previously nodded at and forgotten. Simple, but it had become part of his life now. Elias was good, too good. Somehow the old Vietnam medic had been able to saw Dickie's legs off below the knees and his arms below the elbows without much blood loss. Through the miracle of boiled pork fat, close-knit stitches, and sulfa, Dicky hadn't died. Still the pain had been horrendous. His howls of agony and anguish had made the answering cries of the animals penned nearby seem almost mute by comparison. But this was a necessary transition, a metamorphosis that was at the crux of his agreement. It was only his concentration on retribution, his determined anger that had allowed him to pull through, so that he could battle in the pit in an attempt to kill the thing that had killed his best friend. The pit was six feet deep. Each twenty-foot-long side was bolstered by iron-hard logs, cured and tempered by the blood of hundreds. Above this aluminum football bleachers provided space for the fans to watch, all of which was hidden beneath the old tin roof of a tobacco farm. The first time he'd seen the place he now called home, he'd been standing upon the top bench of the bleachers. He'd had legs then, and the pit had seemed so deep. Never again did he have the same vantage point, for not only had he been reduced to the perspective of a low man, but his domain had become the below, not the above. His first opponent had been a possum, the white fur pink nose and needle-sharp teeth so different from the roadside splat he was used to observing. Like a newborn foal, Dickie had stood, his weight resting on the flat nubs of knees and elbows, each covered with a hard leather cap. Balance came and went, his face dodging the dirt every time he fell. Through the pain and the confusion, he'd heard the cheers of an audience rebounding off the metal of the roof. The air vibrated with their combined energy, each and every shout targeted at him because of him. He shook with fear. The enormity of his decision finally realized. Blood, snot and tears had almost smothered his anger and quenched his drive. But after the possum latched on to the back of his thigh, tearing away painful chunks of flesh, defense became automatic. Darwin took hold, and Dicky rolled using his superior weight to batter the animal into a stupor. The feeling he'd had when he'd finally gagged on the creature's blood, his teeth gnawing spastically upon the stringy arteries of the neck, was better than any sex. Parting their way through the chest-high forest of unhewn tobacco, they finally found the river. Willie Pete's smile of anticipation was clear through his heavy mustache and beard. Dickie matched it and they shook hands. Willie headed north. Dickie went south. The river was a slow-moving slice through the land. Deep and in shadow from oaks along the banks, pool after pool of murky water teased him with the possibility of lunker trout. The rain was a continuous splatter along the surface as the large summer drops hammered the water into submission. Considering the weather,